we go. I'll start it. Here we go. I already did start it. We're live. There's a delay, guys. <laughs> Brian, I think you need to oh, get off and start. Says we are live. There it is. Yes. It says we are live. Dummy. Okay. Leave the room. Come back. Yeah. There's <laughs> I a might have to. Ha I, I feel like my Wi-Fi. Yeah. Yes. Hey, everybody. Hey, Andy. How are you doing? Good to see you. Happy hour. Uh, we Your are brother just is like, I can't leave. I, gotta, I know. I know. We like, got to go live like this. What everybody witnessed right now, Dave, and, and, and I hate to bring people behind the curtain, you know, in, in a way like this that might, I don't know, bring down their opinion of both of us. I'm sure everybody has this rosy view of our working relationship. We've been working together as siblings for, you know, damn near two decades, whatever it is. Brian's just controlling the show, and he refuses to leave when we're just saying, "Pop out, come back." Well, I was, Pop out. I was, it's all I was saying. The problem was the delay. No, yeah. no, no, no. Dave felt it too. Dave Schilling joining the us, the great Dave was Schilling. Intense. It really was. I couldn't understand what you were saying because you were talking about things that I had said 15 seconds before. Dare that I say, Dave? Was, it was. I couldn't get out. Dare get I out. say it was not just intense. You know, Brian's just desperate attempt to maintain control over the show. It was unbecoming. You couldn't if get I, out like, you're in, like, what, like you were in the vow or something. You couldn't get out. <laughs> he, just, he just refused. I can't to escape. Andy's like, too charismatic. I can't leave him. We're like, Brian, we're not kicking you out of the show. Just you step made, out and come back in. Let's be professional here, for God's all, sake. I mean, I, I entered one building that I... Oh, gone about again. the dangers of psychology and all of a sudden I just couldn't get out. Yeah, um, Memory's last uh, has summed it up very well. Right. FOMO, LOL. Thanks for coming on. Appreciate it. Yeah, no problem, guys. If there's another delay, I am Dude. leaving. Wow. <laughs> wow. There is a problem again. Your internet is not good. This is a Brian thing, correct? Brian's internet is not good. Brian yeah, you is might... frozen again. He looks yeah, like I'm, Mr. I'm gonna, Clean. I'm having <laughs> a, a Mr. Clean that's trying too hard to be well, smart. Like a look poorly like drawn it. cartoon of Mr. Clean. Clean. Yeah. Can we talk without him for a second? Because he doesn't know what he, he's way behind <laughs> us. Look at this. This is not great. <laughs> you know what? In, in 15 minutes, Dave, he's going to welcome you to the show. Hey, <laughs> like, that's so far Dave, <laughs> so good to see you. How's it going? Well, we're almost done here, so... <laughs> Not great. All right, we, we will uh, we'll move forward without Brian, and hopefully he'll come back in. But uh, like a hard hard line to the internet, Brian. Well, I mean, exactly. I mean, he he may have to hard line it and even do dial up. Like a dial up might actually improve this connection right now. I, I hate to take him back to like 1997 and and AOL, but I mean, it, it, he could do a hotspot with his phone. Remember, Brian, there's a little box here at the bottom of the screen that says everyone can see and hear you. So let's get it right. Anyway, so how have you, how have you yes. been, man? What's been up? Well, um, I don't know if you noticed outside, uh, it's it's poison. So yes. I've been inside a lot. I, You know, that's okay. Um, I'm very excited about the Lakers situation. I wanted to get into that tonight. So uh, that's a thing that's going on in my life. Uh, I'm really happy that football is back. My fantasy football team is doing very well right now. It's just a good time if you're a sports fan to be alive. 
If you are alive for any other reason than to watch sports, <laughs> maybe not so much. But right oh, it's now, horrible. if you love sports, hey everybody, welcome to the late night happy hour here with the Kamenetsky brothers. Very excited to welcome Dave Schilling to the broadcast. Um, he is a writer, a journalist, uh, People Magazine's sexiest man alive for 2012. This is uh, it's just a great night for us. Um, how is everyone? <laughs> This show has become the equivalent of the American flag upside down. <laughs> like it's just, it's, we've really. I'm doing great. Uh, welcome back. <laughs> How's it going, uh, Brian? Oh man, um, Wi-Fi is a bitch. <laughs> what are you, what are you on a telegraph over there? <laughs> you know, oh, is someone drawing you like a courtroom? All of us live the shilling lifestyle where we can have. Oh, yeah, I'm doing good great. Wi-Fi. You know, I mean. <laughs> Give us a break. We were talking about football's back, Brian. I think this is not something I expected that we would ever see football again because of everything that's going on with the pandemic. It seemed like they were not going to be able to get it together because they're not really doing what the NBA is doing. The NBA has a bubble and everybody's protected. The NFL is just kind of like sort of almost pretending like this isn't happening. You know, it's it's funny. It's actually worked. We we talked about that on Friday. Well, it's interesting. We talked about that on Friday with uh, uh, Jordan Rodriguez, who covers the Rams for the Athletic, and we're definitely going to get specifically into the Rams and their game last night. But she really feels like thus far the success the NFL has has had. You know, week one in has basically been falling ass backwards into it because she agrees with what you're saying. Like the planning on their part, like any type of really systematic planning like we've seen from the NBA or the WNBA or soccer really has not been there at all. Or the NHL. Like they, right. they she doesn't really feel like they actually fully accept or understand what they're up against. It's just so far working out okay. Well, I'd like to give the NHL a lot of credit because right now I am aware of as little about the NHL as I am in normal years. And so that means that <laughs> things are going well for them. Because I don't know what's happening. I don't know who's in the playoffs. I don't. I, they're. Pl- I don't even know where the games are happening. They could be happening in Bulgaria for all I know, and they could well, be being broadcast on a satellite. At least stream. some of them are in Edmonton. That's basically the same thing. Sure. Um, yeah, it's like Videodrome. It's like you got to move your satellite dish to get hockey. Um, so good for them that they're doing that. MLS started with their bubble, and then now they're playing their games in the home markets, and that seems to be going okay so far. They announced another um, another segment of the season because they're kind of going in these sort of segments where it's like, okay, we'll see. We'll play 10 games. We'll see how that goes. If that goes well, we'll play another 10 more, and then hopefully we'll have the playoffs. Uh, WNBA, NBA, obviously, are doing their bubbles, and that's, that's worked incredibly well um, to the point where now baseball is going to be doing their own bubble for the playoffs in a way that I am very uncomfortable with because that means the Dodgers are going to have to play playoff games in Houston, Texas. I, I the, Or Texas, in, anywhere in Texas. I think it, maybe it's at actually Arlington. Doesn't matter. Unacceptable that the Dodgers cannot play playoff games in their home park. I hate that. But the NFL is taking the opposite stance and saying nothing is different. We're, we're, we're even going to have some markets that are going to have fans. There were fans in Cleveland. There are fans in, in Kansas City. There are fans in Jacksonville. That, that many. Like, what does it, that bring to the atmosphere of the that's game? That's my question. Like, what is it? It's like, how does 
it looks worse, I think, to have 6,000 people spread around a 90,000-seat uh, stadium than it does to have nobody there. Like, I, I mean, I guess there's a little bit of revenue, but I just don't understand, like, aesthetically what you gain from it. Yeah, I feel like the Jaguars ought to just do a GoFundMe. Like it would, it would be a little bit more dignified than having like the. Well, 6, just it makes the end of every Jag. It makes the it makes the 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 beginning of every Jaguars game look like the end of every Jaguars <laughs> game, where there's nobody left. The Con family doesn't need money. They are billionaires. They don't. They they didn't need to fill that stadium to begin with. So the fact that they're like, well, we'll, we'll sell five thousand tickets or six thousand tickets, it just doesn't make any sense. It's it's almost like. Um, it's like if you if you go to Thanksgiving and your parents are getting divorced and they kind of like hold hands and like hug just to like <laughs> make you feel like maybe this could be normal. Sit together at the school play. About this. Your parents are getting divorced. It's over. They don't love each other. They'll never love each other again. And it is your fault. And that's Ooh. how I feel about the NFL. Oh, this took a dark turn. <laughs> this took uh, a very- it's late. It's late night. <laughs> this is my therapy session. Look, for the this, week. this is not for children. If there's any children watching, they shouldn't. Why be are up you anyway. watching this? You should be watching <laughs> pornography. <laughs> well, you know, the good thing, Dave, is you can actually because you know it's on streaming. You can watch on half your screen. I can screen. You can watch the show, and on the other half, quite frankly, that's what I assume most people are doing when they watch the show. Mm, Or they just forgot to close the browser or something. Um, Yeah. Let me ask ask you guys this question. If the season takes place and there are, let's say, between five to ten positive tests in the NFL, is that a success? Or does it have to be zero for it to be a successful Over season? the course of a whole season? Entire 16 games, oh, playoffs. That would be a massive success. You think 5 to 10 is a massive success? Oh, my God. If, if they managed to get through 5 to 10 this week, I would have been pretty What surprised. if there is one serious hospitalization out of 10 people? I mean, I still think it's – I mean – God, I sound, this is so ghoulish. <laughs> but yes, I think that's a success. The idea of playing NFL games Look, <laughs> right now is you, ghoulish you to me. I was going to say, you, to, in order to evaluate this in terms of a success, I mean, you have to remove, honestly, any type of morality from it. Because if you really were looking to do this from the most morally safe place possible, you would either be doing the NFL in some type of bubble like the NBA, or you wouldn't be doing it at all. Mm-hmm. But if you're going to be doing it, then you have to have realistic expectations of what would be considered successful. And, you know, obviously, if there were 10 COVID cases, one of which, you know, required a hospitalization, that would be terrible for the player involved. And, and you certainly hope that that player would have a, a you know speedy, safe recovery. But in terms of 30 teams with a 16-game schedule, and the size of rosters, right, with each of these size of staffs, yeah. like realistically speaking, that would be successful. You, again, the the moral question of whether they not whether or not they should be doing it is a separate and and a valid question. Right. But but I don't know if you can use that to evaluate it there because otherwise the, the really the answer becomes then they shouldn't be playing. Right. I think we've we probably mostly moved on from the question of if they should be because they are and it's happening. Um, right at this I point, it, I hope it yeah. happens safely, and I, I hope that you know they minimize the amount of risk these players are under. 
Um, that said, I think there is one positive, and I think this is a positive that is very important to LA sports fans, is that without crowds, Jared Goff can hear everything in his ears at all times. Sean McVay can talk to him about uh, whatever he wants. Sean McVay can read uh, great expectations to him, and he can hear all of it. And I think that's one of the things uh, that— That's what Rob Palenka would do if he he were uh, Jared Goff. Sun Tzu's The Art of War. (laughs) He would be reading him literature through the headpiece. Jared Goff is is a quarterback that needs someone to tell him what to do. And I'm not saying that because I think he's an idiot. He's not an idiot. He has a degree that he earned from a university. But he is not, let's say, Lamar Jackson. He is not an improviser. He does not have that flair and that sense of genius. He's not a yes-ander? No, he's not. He's not. uh, He didn't go to UCB. He should. (laughs) When the only, is, uh, the only thing separating from J- Jared Goff from Lamar Jackson is the ability to improvise. Let me tell you something. If you've ever seen Patrick Mahomes, other physical if you've ever seen Patrick Mahomes do a herald, that guy just kills it. Yeah, he's, sure. he's amazing. He's just very quick on his and fast on his feet. Um, I I just think Jared Goff. You saw this on on Sunday night. He, he managed that game in a way that he's never done before. He's always had to make big plays and, and be spectacular when they're great. When they're, when they're up against it, like in the Super Bowl, when it's an incredibly tight game and they're, they're not able to run the offense maybe the way they want to. Jared Goff falls apart. When that, when that pocket falls apart, Jared Goff falls apart. Unfortunately, now he can hear everything because there's no crowd. <laughs> He doesn't have to worry about. Can I hear anything in here? Turn, can you turn up the my monitor? He's good, so I think they're going to be better than most people think because well, of that particular yeah, issue. I, I, the the thing with the golf thing it, it drives me insane because I can't figure out if he's good. Like I really, I really wish Physically, I could come to some gifts. sort of conclusion. Right, they're, we're never going to really know. I think he's at Philip Rivers. Is another quarterback where it's like, yeah, he's got he's got good stats, and you know they win between seven and nine games every year, or so he's pretty good, I guess. No, but I got no. I mean, Philip Rivers has been doing this for a long. Like you, Phil Jared Goff will do this for a long time. Jared Phil Goff Rivers doesn't take a lot of punishment. Sure, I think Jared Goff is good anymore. He may not be very good anymore, but he's been good. Like Jared Goff, just I mean, Andy, like we every time we talk to anybody about football. My first question is always, is Jared Goff good? And you know, he's obviously not terrible, but they're paying him $11 billion. He's, you know, supposed to be a genuine franchise quarterback, not one of these guys that, you know, you sort of Andy Dalton your way through. Well, no, but I mean, here's the thing though. If you're a good quarterback, you get $11 billion. That's the way this works. So the no, idea if that you're a, if you're a if you're a quarterback that you think can't be replaced, you get eleven billion dollars. Right, that's a good quarterback. No, not necessarily. That Andy is Andy Dalton a good quarterback? Andy Dalton got paid. I mean, back in the day, Andy Dalton was easily an upper third quarterback. I mean, that's not even debatable. Mm. Yeah, no, actually, yes. it is. I think it's absolutely no, debatable. No, earlier in his career, no, it's not debatable. He was in the upper third of the league, certainly it, in the upper half. There's an important thing that needs to be said here. We have 32 NFL teams. Arguably, only about 25 of these quarterbacks are good, and about half of that are great, and maybe four of them are exceptional. 
Right. There are not a ton of quarterbacks sitting on the sidelines waiting to be for their name to be called. Exactly. Just Which is why guys so, get paid because Jared, you know, yeah, Jared Ryan Goff, Tannehill is better than who's over there. Jared Goff is an NFL quarterback. He has been to a Super Bowl. That is hard to do. Granted, there are certain starting quarterbacks in NFL history. I'm looking at you, Trent Dilfer. Go, go Bulldogs. I love you. Fresno State, baby. But not a very good quarterback, ultimately. Not a Hall of Famer. Will never even sniff the Hall of Fame. But he has a Super Bowl ring. So that's not always the case that, you know, you have to be great to win a Super Bowl. But you do need to be kind of good to be in the Super Bowl. And Jared Goff took it yes. to the Super Bowl. There it's is exactly something to be said about his skill. He yeah. is, he's yeah. physically gifted. He, does. he clearly he does. Makes a lot of great decisions. He, makes a, he, he makes a lot of very difficult passes. Um, he, does have a, he did have a great receiving core the last two years. I'm not sure if that's the case now, but he's talented. And, and I think to, to slag him off is unfair. I think he does have a problem playing in big games and playing in situations where the decibel level might be too high for him to hear what's in his headset. I will give him a lot of credit for that Monday night football game against the Chiefs. That was the performance of a great quarterback. It was great. No, he was – my, my question always about Goff is how good are you – when you in a clean pocket, when he can stand there and deliver the ball, he's really good. And he throws a, a good ball, and he threw a couple passes in that Dallas game on Sunday that were great. Uh, the, the one that he dropped to Van Jefferson um, was spectacular. That was a great pass. But the pocket's not going to be clean for 17 games. That and, is the know, problem. The offensive line problem right, and yeah. that's where I think you know that you know you you talked about him managing the game on Sunday. If you have a great offense and a great team, and you know the year they went to the Super Bowl, nobody got hurt, and the offensive line was intact for the entire season, and all these other things, that rarely happens in the NFL. And you need your quarterback to be able to elevate your team sometimes. And there haven't been many moments where I feel like Goff takes an average performance from the people around them and elevates it in ways that other quarterbacks do. And I'm not saying he sucks. There are a lot of quarterbacks that fit into that. But it also means he may not be great. And well, to some degree, the Rams are kind of counting on him to be great. Well, they got, that they're is, paying him like he's great. Yeah, that is the thing about the quarterbacks who can, quote-unquote, improvise, the quarterbacks who can move and take take a broken pocket and a broken play and find a way to get positive yardage. He's not there yet. He might never be that guy. So the Rams should be focused on having the best offensive line in the entire league, and I don't think that they do. They haven't had a great offensive line since the Super Bowl season. So I am worried about him. That said, is there somebody out there who's better? I will quibble, and I've, I will always quibble with the idea that you needed to give up a ton of picks to draft Jared Goff number one. That I think Les Snead deserves a lot of credit for building a team that went to a Super Bowl, that went from the dregs of the NFL in St. Louis to being an elite hey, team. Dave, on hey, Dave, seven and nine bullshit. That's what exactly they yes. Yeah, the, Je the Jeff Fisher era of the Rams, and, you know, all the way back to after the Super Bowl seasons in St. Louis. Like they were bad long after that. Um, but 
At the same time, did you need to mortgage your future for Jared Goff? I don't think so. I really don't. Would they are? Could there be a scenario where the Rams are a better football team today if they had been bad another couple of years and then maybe been able to draft someone like a Lamar Jackson? Probably. Sure. Because that's a that's where they didn't draft they, they you end up with somebody in the third round, you end up or you have all this other talent that's available to you. It's not just the golf thing. I, I mean, I think trading up to get a quarterback that you think you need, because Andy is correct. You there, even if you have to overpay for a quarterback who may not be great, and I'm still not convinced golf is that guy, you still have to have a guy who's good enough to, you know, you have to be at least this tall to ride the ride. Yeah, I mean, he is by golf. definition good enough to get you to a Super Bowl correct. because he literally did it. Right. And, you know, I think you you have a far smaller margin for error than him than somebody else does uh, than, than you do with a with a better quarterback. But he's still, like you say, definitionally can get you there. There are other guys where you have a smaller margin for error than Jared Goff. Right. Yeah. Most of those teams aren't going to the Super Bowl. Um, <laughs> exactly. That's why it's hard to 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 argue with. I think he's a, he's a, a good fairly middle of the road starting quarterback right now in the league. I mean, is that fair? He's, the he's most middle, middle of the third. road, most average. I mean, he's, I think, he's middle third. At yeah, I I I guess so. I, I mean, God forbid he be Mitchell Trubisky. Like you have to think your lucky star is Mr. Comeback. Are you forgetting about Trubisky. Mr. Comeback already? <laughs> yes, I am. Lit up the he, he had some balls on Sunday that looked like he was trying to aim for one of the empty seats. That it's guy's terrible. terrible. Don't be an asshole, Dave. He led a huge comeback in the fourth quarter against the vaunted Detroit Lions over the weekend. When was the last time the Lions let a game like that go? They never do that. <laughs> they never do that. The line, it's like it's a vice. It's like an actual lion has taken hold of a game and is ah, and that's that's like trying to take the the, the 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 a game from the Detroit Lions and Mitch Trubisky, Mitchell that's Trubisky so to you so and true. me. I think Mr. the big Mr. thing Mitch. is when he went from Mitch Trubisky to Mitchell Trubisky. Yeah, it's, since it's, then he has been nails. It's like a uh, little bow wow to bow wow, isn't it? Kind of. He's bad. He's bad. <laughs> Mitchell Trubisky. Sam Darnold is bad. These guys are bad quarterbacks, and so you have to give the Rams a lot of credit for at least finding someone who can win games. Who is able to win big games who is able to take a team to a super bowl you can say what you want about the pass interference call in new orleans and whether or not that was you know um the, co the correct call by the referees but the fact that you were able to lead that comeback in that game is impressive let me ask you this though dave with what the rams are going through this year and this was supposed to be the grand opening of sofi and you know the, this was supposed to be this big big moment for the rams in their franchise history and also their return to la and carving out that id and you know their place in a very crowded los angeles sports universe how much do you think covid and, and what's going on this year puts them behind the eight ball in terms of what they're trying to do not at all. I don't think so at really? all. I think I think there are people watching sports, regardless of the fact that they can't go. There are people at home. They're watching sports. I think it's a it's a it's a shame that they can't invite fans into the stadium now. But I don't think that not having fans there is going to make it harder for the Rams to be popular. 
The only thing that's going to prevent the Rams from being popular is if they're bad. That is it. It doesn't matter what their logo is or their uniforms are or, or you know, how, how charismatic Jared Goff is if he ever ends up on Jimmy Kimmel Live or something. What matters is if Well, the they better win. he plays, the more he looks like Ryan Gosling. The exactly. worse he plays, the ugly, you know, he's like a poor man's Ryan Gosling. Like he, he's, you know, yeah. he, he's like the guy who thinks he's good looking, but really isn't. Yes, exactly. He's like Casper Van Dien from Starship. <laughs> that they have to win. They have to win. You could see it was getting better when they went to the Super Bowl. When they went to the Super Bowl, people were wearing Rams jerseys and hats and people were talking about it and it was a big deal. If they're if they go back to being bad, no one will care. As long as they're on, on national television every once in a while, as long as they're winning football games, they're going to be more popular and they're going to be more and more popular. There's a reason why the Raiders were the biggest football team in Los Angeles. Still, may, maybe. Uh, oh, still I think they the still are. I don't sure. Because they won a Super Bowl. That's it. It's not. It has nothing to do with anything else. There's no magic formula to be successful in the Los Angeles market except for winning championships. The Lakers are the most popular team in Los Angeles because they won 10 championships here. 10! Okay, if you grew up in this town in the last 30 years, you've seen an NBA championship for, for the Lakers. You've seen them be great consistently every year. The best players the, the 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 most exciting fan base of celebrities and models and all kinds of people. That's why they're successful. There's no other reason. There's no magic formula. It's not because the Lakers logo is the coolest or their colors are the best. It's because they win championships. The Dodgers became popular in LA because they won championships. And the Dodgers will remain popular because they won championships recently enough that people still care. If the Dodgers go another 30 years without winning a title, guess what? People will stop coming. People will not care about the Dodgers. Right. It, it does help the Dodgers, too, that they, like, they, they keep not winning the World Series, but they also keep getting there or getting just you know, good the, the NLC. Yeah, so like, if you keep showing up in the championship rounds or you keep showing up in the – in the actual, you know, you know, the round right before the, you know, the NLCS, whatever it might be, if you keep showing up there, people will give you credit for that. It's when you become, you know, the, you know, the, the Marlin. Well, okay. Let's talk about that for a second. Okay, so, sure. By the way, you've been doing some strong trolling over the last couple of days on Twitter yes. <laughs> with the Clitters. Can- uh, Clippers, congratulations. <laughs> yes. I, 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 I'm, in a, I'm in a basketball group chat. And there are a couple Clipper fans. Clippers right. Just be, just because Andy he mentioned the pornography before doesn't mean you have to go there. <laughs> well, it, I was going to ignore it and move on. <laughs> um, and you and also, a tongue twister, legit. Anyway, I'm, I'm in a, a group chat that's mostly about basketball, and there's I think three or four Clipper fans. After Game Six, I think all of them left. They are all just like, I can't do this anymore. Goodbye. I find that to be obnoxious. But it gets worse when they start saying, I'm not going to watch the game. You know what? I don't need that. I'm not going to watch. What do you mean you're not going to watch? You're not going to watch Game 7, the biggest game in Clipper franchise history, because you don't want to be sad? You don't want to be sad. Wow. Listen, I'm a Dodger fan, okay? The last five years have been sad. The five years before that were sad. The five years before that were sad. (laughs) 
And you're telling me, oh, I, I don't want to watch because I know they're going to lose. Clayton, Clayton Kershaw, Dave, is a Shakespearean tragedy. Like, like yeah, That's like, so sad. Game yeah. seven. They had, they had every chance to win. They were playing at home. That the Astros cheated to yes. win the World Series. Which, like, by the way, actually. It's not even a conspiracy. It actually happened. Right. And that actually, I think. In, in a weird, perverse way, actually helps the Dodgers in terms of what you were talking about before, Dave, with like winning and, you know, yeah. winning keeps you popular and, you know, the, the lack of patience that sometimes comes with losing. Everybody knowing that the Dodgers lost that series, at least in some part because of what the Astros were doing, cuts them something of a break. Yeah. It does give them some degree of break and people look back on that whole debacle differently now than they did in the moment i think it's fascinating to see how the dodgers went from the big market uh multi-million dollar cadillac super team with the best of the best of the best players to the plucky underdog who got robbed out of a championship just in an instant as soon as the astros scandal broke it's people were sympathetic for the dodgers there is now kind of like a, I guess almost like a, like a David and Goliath thing that the Dodgers are experiencing, where there's there's this real affinity that the city has. I, I was going to go to the Joe Kelly um, mural in Silver Lake, just because you know I might as well take a picture with it. There was a line all the way down the block for people to take a picture Shut with the up. Joe Kelly mural. Really? Yeah. Just. People with their kids. They all want, it's not like there was a security guard saying, well, okay, let's have an orderly line here. People were just like standing in line, not really socially distancing either. I was either, just I'm going sure. to ask. I was just going to ask. That. But there were people out on a, on a Sunday uh, just having for a good joke, time, taking a, a picture Kelly. with a Joe, Joe Kelly mural. Joe Kelly, who, by the way, Pitched for the Red Sox in the 2018 World Series. Right. I hated him. Joe Kelly, that if we're really being honest, he broke Hanley Ramirez's ribs. Are we all forgetting this? Okay. Of course, because he made a face once. <laughs> if we're really being honest about this, and I thought this in the moment when I was watching the game, I'm not a hundred percent sure, or even close to a hundred percent sure, that that first pitch that went in his head was intentional. Joe Kelly was so damn wild that whole game. I don't think Joe Kelly is capable of throwing a pitch that close. He's like, a raw nerd. He can do that. Yeah. How would he be able to 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 uh, place that pitch so effectively? Joe, He's not Joe Kelly guy. can't do that. That guy. That guy has no control whatsoever. No, no. And that's, we saw that. That's what I think that. is so funny about this is that he's become like oh the one guy who spoke for all of us and he threw at him you know he 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 took all that we were feeling and put in that one pitch. Joe Kelly was struggling that whole inning <laughs> to like put anything in the strikes. He's zone. a folk hero now, but and, you know and that that goes to the, how deeply beloved the Dodgers are in this city at this moment, and the yes. Clippers should. I hypothetically speaking, have that same kind of like underdog cachet. They don't. They don't because there is this feeling within Clippers fandom of, well, it's our time. And this kind of like um, entitlement 
to the status of the underdog, for the status of the good guy. I see these tweets all the time of Clipper fans saying, how could you root for the Lakers? They, they win all the time, and they're evil. They're the evil empire. My God. It's sports. There are actual evil people in the world, and you're saying the Lakers are evil. This kind of mythologizing of sports and, and the painting of good and bad in sports I find to be anathema and disgusting. Well, Don't yeah, do that, Clipper fans. If you want people to like you, and if you want people to sympathize with your plight when the Clippers definitely lose Game 7 to the Nuggets, then shut up. <laughs> <laughs> Let go. Let go. We, uh, we've heard enough of your belly aching about how no one respects you. No one respects you because you are the team that's flopping, that's complaining to the referees, that their fans are going around with pitchforks for anybody who dares say that Steve Ballmer is not a benevolent dictator billionaire. I mean, just stop it. Stop. Stop. Steve Ballmer is trying to build an arena no one needs in Inglewood that the city doesn't really want just because there's this inferiority complex that's so deeply ingrained within the Clippers that it just came out of nowhere. As, as soon as the Sterling stuff happened, Clipper fans got this kind of idea of themselves as, as these plucky heroes. And it's just not the case. They're just a basketball team. Well, I mean, you can't, be oh. the plucky, you can't be the plucky hero when you had two guys basically force their way to your team. Right. Like two A-list, you know, yeah, legit. The Clippers are a super team. Right. They had a... And, by the way, I'm not being critical for them for being a super team. Like there's nothing wrong with that. But like you are no longer the plucky, you know, streetlights versus spotlight team when when two guys superstars force their way to your team. Like nobody ain't nobody forcing their way up, by the way, the Lakers. Like Paul George passed on the Lakers. Right. I mean, nobody forcing their way to the Kings. Like, you know, nobody is forcing their way to the Grizzlies. Like, those are the plucky underdog teams. Nobody goes there willingly if they have any other choices. And damn sure nobody ever forces their way. Like, nobody ever says, you're trading me to Memphis or nowhere else. That's the one spot I'm going to. Also, there's no curse. Okay, if you think there's a curse on the Clippers, you're wrong. Okay, there, one, I don't believe in superstition, really. You know, sure, it's fun to think about the, how the Browns are cursed or something. No curse. That goat thing with the Cubs was pretty strong. That's that's real. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> the exception approves the rule. The, the Clippers franchise from Buffalo to San Diego, sorry, to Los Angeles, has always been bad. They've always been bad. The, the, the Buffalo Braves, I think, won, went to the playoffs twice in their entire existence, then moved to San Diego. Then they sign Bill Walton two years after he's he wins the MVP and wins the NBA championship. He, he gets injured and is out for 68 games. That's not a curse. That's just bad management. Then Sterling buys the team, and there's more bad management. Now they have probably, in my opinion, the best front office in the NBA. I remember they had an event for season ticket holders after um, they traded uh, Blake Griffin. 
because everybody was like, oh, this is the end. And they're just they're just shutting right. it down. So, so they tried to get ahead of it. And I will give the Clippers PR team in front office a lot of credit for saying we're going to be out front and we're going to be very uh, candid about what we're doing. So they have this event. They invite me. This is when I was still a sports journalist. Um, and I talked to Jerry West. I talked to you know, Lawrence Frank and, and, and tried to like figure out what the hell they were doing. And they said, we want to have a certain kind of team. We want to build a certain culture here. We have an idea and we have a, a vision for how this team is going to look. And they did that. And they, they, they tore it apart and they built it up. And now they're a championship contender much faster than they should have been. And that's not just because of Paul George and Kawhi Leonard. That's because they put together a team with Montrez Harrell, with Lou Williams, with Patrick Beverly, with these guys who are really, really hardworking, exciting, fun players who really want to win. You know, getting Zubots was a <laughs> was unfortunately for Laker fans a steal. That oh, was what a great move that was. No. Every Laker fan knew that guy was going to be a talent. Well, it's not even that. It's also it's just who you traded him for. It's, it's you, it, Mike Muscala. Well, a Mike, the Mike Muscala of it. B, it was also them. And and what was infuriating is Rob Palinka was asked about this. You know, afterwards, you know, was this basically a tacit admission that you guys did not have enough of the shooting that a lot of people thought that season would be a problem for you guys? You know that that you'd look at that roster and say, okay, where is the outside shooting going to come from? And Palinka gave this very long, flowery response about how that wasn't the case and blah blah blah. And I think that's what that might have been the same press conference where he did the trolley story. Yeah, this, um, was, when he, this was when Palinka was in ah the trolley movie. story, <laughs> right? And oh, it's just like, I dude, story. I love the trolley story. My God, I hope you're lying because if you're actually telling the truth, that's even worse. Like if you're if you actually don't think the problem is the shooting, but you just thought it would be better to have Mike Muscala than Ivica Zubats, that's even worse. Yeah, he wanted Javale McGee. That's it. I guarantee you. When you when you look back on it, he'll probably be like, I just really wanted Javale, and I didn't want Zubats. I wanted Javale real bad. There's no reason you couldn't have still had him. It was just a really the whole thing was a really bad idea. Terrible, terrible. Yes. Because I, I, mean, I, I think there, you're talking about two important things here. Because the first one is the Clippers, as I think Laker fans understand at this point, which is why Laker fans often spend a lot of time talking about Clippers. You don't talk about fan bases and and other teams that you genuinely don't find threatening. Like you know, you don't do that. They're like the ex girlfriend that you can't quite get over. You talk about her all the time. The Clippers are an exceedingly, exceedingly well run organization. They really are, and and. Like you said, Balmer's got fuck you money to the point where he will build an arena that is probably not going to be profitable. I'm like, it can't be because there's not going to be any concerts. Right. They can't put anything in there and he doesn't care. He could. He had to buy the forum just to make sure that there right. wouldn't like, be if concerts. The loses, if the thing loses $500 million a year, it doesn't matter really, probably to, it won't, but it like, it doesn't really matter to that rich. He's that rich. It's like, a it's rich And so, you know, but when you get to that, like the Clippers have gotten this close, and and if they lose this series and don't even make it to to the to the Western Conference Finals, two questions: take them in either order you like. How hard is the trolling going to be 
on the the Clippers franchise and Clippers fans. I'm already uh, getting like tingly thinking. About that. <laughs> <laughs> I know there are Clippers fans watching who are like, I hate Dave, but you know what? That's mm-hmm. fine. We well, already upset the Rams fans with what you said about Goff. Uh, oh yeah, they don't have on Twitter, been so very active I in the in the chat. What? Well, they they took Party exception man. to you. They took exception to you portraying him as a guy with a a, a huge reliance on his headset. <laughs> Did you watch the Super Bowl? <laughs> what, you think he's just a he's just out there calling the plays himself? <laughs> <laughs> I love the Rams. A nice point counterpoint. <laughs> I'm a fan of the Rams. I bought my son an Aaron Donald jersey, even though I don't even think those jerseys are good looking. Anyway. Right, so, like, just like what, ha- like, how bad is it? Because Laker fans are chilling with the counterpoint. The, the, the Marcellus Wileys of the world are all ready to just, uh, you know, stick it to the Laker fan and this and that. And the clip ship is going and this and that. And if they don't even get there because they blew a 3 1 lead to the Nuggets, who I think are an excellent basketball They're a great team. point, how bad does it get for them? And then what does that do for the? I think that that does some damage, I think, psychologically to the organization. I think it's devastating. I think in every way it is devastating. I do think Kawhi will want to prove something next year. You know, I think there will be a desire to just run it back. But I think psychologically for the fans and for the franchise itself, it would just be like it would be gutting. They'd be devastated. But we've been here before with the Clippers where there's expectations and those expectations are missed. And I think that's why Clipper fans are responding this way. And I think that's why it's so fun to troll them. <laughs> it's because there is that like desperate need to impress your big brother. Oh, I just if we if we beat the Lakers this well, year, they'll it's, respect it's, us. It's, it's also, it, I mean, there's that. I mean, there's I've never, there's I've never felt I've never had that impulse. <laughs> <laughs> well played. Um, there's it's not even just the idea of wanting to beat Big Brother, even though, I mean, that is a thing. It's also, too, because winning championships is really hard. It's really, really hard. And any legit opportunity that you have to win one, if you don't, it is to some degree a, a largely wasted opportunity, particularly if, you know, you look back on it and you wonder if this could be the case for the Clippers if you look back on it in retrospect and say, we weren't dialed in enough, like we weren't really focused in the way that we needed to for, for whatever reasons, because the Clippers have looked really disjointed. And this whole season, you know, th- there's been a lot of assumption that they were going to be able to, at some point as a team that had been coasting and, you know, they've been doing some load management out of necessity and things like that. But there had been this assumption certainly externally, maybe internally, I have no idea, that there was another gear that they could get to, maybe even another couple gears that they could just flip that switch, even though there was no template of them ever playing together. Like, it's very unusual to see a team that really has no history together be given that type of credit. Like, you know, I'm not playing the card right now that the Lakers have been disrespected this season because I don't think that's the case. I think the Lakers have been very And that, by the way, is a card that Laker fans are leaning into heavily. Everyone picked the Blazers. Everyone picked Houston. Charles Barkley picked the Blazers. That's it. No one else did. That being said, though, 
I do think that the Clippers had been given more of a benefit of the doubt this season than the Lakers in terms of being able to crank it up another mm-hmm. level or two. You know, that, sure. that their highest level was automatically higher than the Lakers level, even though we had seen the Lakers play all season at a higher level than the Clippers. Well, I think part of it is on paper, the Clippers are a better team. The, the Lakers before LeBron James decided to come here were terrible. The Clippers, when Kawhi Leonard and Paul George decided to come here, were already a pretty damn good playoff team. So you look at where each team was when these big moves happened, and you say, all right, the Clippers, who were already pretty damn good, uh, they add arguably the top, one of the top five best players, definitely the best wing player in the NBA, at least in my opinion, both offensively and defensively. And you add Paul George, who is an all-star. Maybe not the guy you want with the ball at the end of the game in the playoffs right now for a variety of reasons, but he's an all-star. He's a, he's an elite player. He's a great defender. He can score. You think this team on paper should be fantastic. They should be impossible to score against because of their wing defense. They should be really hard to out rebound because of the presence that they have in the front court. Uh, They should be the best team. They are on paper, the best team, but on the court, so far, it's been much closer than it should be between the Lakers and the Clippers. And I don't know what's going to happen in the Western Conference Finals if the Clippers beat the Nuggets. But I think it's going to be a, t- a tough matchup, and I think the Lakers end well, up winning that, that series. If they get through, if we if if they get through, what do we take from it? Like, because I've been a coin flip. I've been, you know, 55, 45 Lakers over the course of the season, 55, 45 Clippers over the course of the season. Like how much do you think it's fair to take what we saw in the second round and apply it to the third? Cause there's no question that the Lakers have looked better in the playoffs than the Clippers have. There's also no question that both teams, I think that the Clippers have played are better than the teams. The Lakers Dallas is better than Portland and no Denver is better than Houston. And so that means something. So what is it? How much do we take from what we've seen here to apply to the next round? You know, making sound basketball analysis without jumping into recency bias. Well, I will say one. I just want to. I want to point out how important it actually was that the Lakers took the seeding game seriously at the beginning of the bubble. Being the number one seed mattered. To play Portland and then Houston was a massive improvement over having to play Dallas and denver two Mm -hmm. young fun exciting teams versus houston which is imploding as we speak and portland which is under understaffed uh to the nth degree and they had to fight and claw just to get to the playoffs uh you know damian lillard (laughs) basically put himself on the cross just to get to the playoffs so i'm glad the lakers did what they did that said you know I I still think the Clippers are the better team. I really do. I think that they're uh, they have better personnel. They're deeper. The Lakers bench terrifies me. <laughs> I, I the fact that Rondo is playing major minutes terrifies me. Excuse I know me, there are a lot playoff of Rondo. Playoff yes, Rondo. I, I know there are tons of people who will go to bat for Rajon Rondo and his brother. 
but it's I'm not that guy. <laughs> How great There's is a it? Player out there who could be on coming off the bench and playing major playoff minutes in Rajon. How awesome is it? Like how on brand is it for all the people involved that Russell Westbrook got into a shouting match with Rajon Rondo's brother, who ends up getting ejected from the game? Like this is so perfectly on brand for Russell Westbrook and presumably the Rondo family. Like this just feels perfect for everybody involved. The Rondo aficionados will will say this is why you have him on on your team. It's because he will antagonize. The other player, Russell Westbrook, didn't need antagonizing to be bad in that series. So I, I find I take fault, or I find fault in that in that in that logic. I just you're, you've got Dion Waiters, J.R. Smith, Rondo. These are guys who have been on the scrap heap for years now. This is like when I was a kid. And my parents would take me to Toys R Us, and they're like, "Have anything you want inside that bucket." It's like, <laughs> okay, because it says uh, $9.99. Oh, there's a there's a Nintendo Virtual Boy in here. Oh, there's Congo action figures. How exciting! Range on Rondo is the Congo action figure of the NBA. It's like, well, okay, this will do. At least I got a present. I mean, did did you go with Ernie Hudson? <laughs> like which no, Congo? No, I got the monkey. <laughs> I, I didn't know. Went, like, like Ernie Hudson? Was there a Laura Linney action? There's figure? a Tim Curry action figure that wow. keeps eating the cake. You remember that? <laughs> <laughs> that that is a depressing toy. <laughs> like this could be a seven game series. If these two teams meet, it's going seven games. I, I don't see, but see it. the only thing I like again, like I think you're right, except I'm not sure because like part of what we say about the Clippers, they have more depth. They, they, so much of that is built around the idea of Lou Williams and Montrez Harrell. Harrell has been terrible sure. in this series, sure. almost unplayable, probably unplayable if Doc didn't insist on playing him. And he is, you know, and it's not like it's going to get easy. You don't go from like, okay, you know the Lakers will well, the, well, the Lakers will figure out ways to make him guard Anthony Davis and his, I love Nikola Jokic but like you know Anthony Davis is like just as much of a challenge so it's not like it gets easier if Harold sucks and Lou hasn't been that good either you know he's sort of been quietly tiptoeing through the you know the the Trez wake right now they actually don't have that much more depth than the Lakers because now you're talking about two superstars and the Lakers superstars are better than the Clippers ones because nobody can believe is in Paul George. The X factor in this series, Zubats, baby. This is going to be Zubats' series. Zubats series? To dominate, that's right. I, After I, every I, bucket, he should just scream, Muscala! <laughs> if Doc Rivers was smart, he'd be playing that guy more minutes, but... I, that is the person who is getting most of the ire right now from Clipper fans. And yes. Doc Rivers gets a pass a mile long for the fact that he endured through the Sterling season and that he's now kind of uh, ingratiated himself to Clipper fans and the organization to such an extent that they can't fire him. They simply can't fire him. So what do you do? If it doesn't work out like quarterbacks, you have to know if you fire Doc Rivers, who are you going to get that's better? Mike D'Antoni. <laughs> oh, my God. I mean, I, I, I like Mike D'Antoni. I think so he's I. a great – the problem with the Rockets is not Mike D'Antoni. It is Daryl Morey. 
putting that team together and them not working. Russell Westbrook was a mistake. Right, you, can't, you can't fire Doc Rivers and hire Mike D'Antoni after what Mike D'Antoni just came off of. Yeah, it's sort of like you guys both did the like Spider-Man meme. Like, yeah, that's you not going to work. I know, just I agree. Esquino yeah, Jackson. Jackson. Hell yeah. yeah. That's a great suggestion. Yeah, that, that would be the best FU to Laker fans of all time. It's like just back up the Brinks truck for Phil Jackson. They already already have Jerry West. They already have the forum, and then they go hire Phil Jackson. (laughs) Or they could just hire Jason Kidd. Who cares? Um, I I don't (laughs) think they they don't. Rambus is available. You get West, you get the form, and then you go get Phil. At that point, you're essentially that the the character in The Incredibles who's just collecting and killing all the superheroes. Yeah. Like you just that's what you're doing at that point. Bring back all the former, like all the former Laker coaches and put them on one staff. Bring back like Phil, Phil's the head coach. Then you've got like Rudy T, Byron, Randy. Is Dill Harris still alive? Luke. I think he is. Actually, I mean, most of these names that we keep throwing out there, Laker fans would be like, okay, okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's how Laker fans respond to the Clippers in general. Is, That's uh, true. Good luck. Okay. And the one time I think people were really mad. watching I, basketball. <laughs> the Clippers hired Phil. Yes. Yeah, uh, Dale, Dale Harris is 83 years young and still with us. So shout, Thank God. Shout out to John Tyson for that great response. I will stop watching basketball. <laughs> I will move to Sweden if Phil Jackson becomes <laughs> there. It is again, John Tyson. I'm going to be honest. Beautiful you family, know, John. Brian Beautiful and I. Family. Brian and I covered five or six years worth of Phil. He's obviously a great coach. He's an incredible quote. I mean, you want to talk about a coach who made our jobs just you know light years easier just from his pre and post game comments. That being said, we saw the influence in New York of Phil being there and demanding the triangle be run. If you want to crap away three or four years as the Clippers learning the triangle, I think most Laker fans would say have at it. The game has <laughs> passed the man by. He is passed. It's passed him by. It, you can't run the triangle off. Oh, Mike game. Brown. Yes, they bring back Mike Brown. As well. oh, bring back Mike Brown. Yes. I, you know what? I'm not letting him. I am not letting him have Bernie. Bernie, oh Bernie is the winningest coach in, in Lakers history by percentage. They can't have him. And he, he had glorious moments. Oh, my God. That stretch. It was the single, that stretch of, of Bernie Bickerstaff as the head coach of the Lakers was the single most entertaining stretch we've ever had. Did they get Dunleavy? Is he? Oh, Dunleavy's still there. Yeah. Yeah, I go get Mike Dunleavy. I got text messages about Elton Brand. Took them to the finals. I actually think for Laker fans, it would hurt a hell of a lot more if the Clippers hired Byron to be on the staff than Phil. I think Byron would really hurt. You know, like that would feel like that's just that's just a guy going home to the team that drafted him. (laughs) I guess. I guess I'm okay with that. That's fine. (laughs) All right, let me. We, we were, we're we're getting close to the end of the hour, and I I I need to ask you this because you are uh, notoriously well dressed. You are a person who is known for this on on the Twitter machine. You. you send out things; people know you are sartorially informed. You've uh, got the drip, Dave. That's oh, right. That's what the kids say. Is there a pill for that? 
<laughs> we've, talked, we've had people on talking about what happens to the Hollywood industry, what happens to sports. But most of America has not worn pants with a belt in seven months. Um, we are, you know, in a place where you know, even when people kind of go back to work, a lot of people who wear work clothes may not be going back to an office anymore. A lot of remote. What happens to clothes and like the fashion world and people who sell clothes, people who design them? What happens in this world? Well, it's a good question because there are a lot of retailers that are, that are yeah. shutting down. A lot of a lot of places, you know, fashion houses uh, that are having a serious problem because a lot of the fashion industry is designed around the churn of the retail space, right? It's like you need to have certain things that Barney's is going to buy or, or the Nordstrom's is going to buy or Macy's is going to buy. And then you, you get the display and then you, you sell through and then you have another season. The fashion industry is built around seasons and, you know, fall and spring, summer and all that stuff. That's going away because people don't, have the sort of same needs that they used to have. The idea of spring and summer as things get hotter, unfortunately, due to climate change, um, you know, summers last longer. Certainly in Los Angeles, summers can last into November now. Um, a lot of places, a lot of, a lot of, you know, companies that I think a lot of people listening to this probably f uh, frequent all the time, J. Crew, Brooks Brothers, these places are going out of business because they're so um, enmeshed with the idea of brick and mortar stores and having locations to sell clothes. The, the companies that are succeeding are companies that sell comfortable clothes. Number one, there's my finger. Number two, these companies are selling things on the internet that they are not necessarily over producing so that they can sell to various stores around the country. They're producing what they need. They're keeping their back stock so that they can sell it throughout the year versus, oh, I'm going to, you know, we're going to have to just destroy a bunch of these clothes because nobody bought them. Burberry, I believe it was $30 million worth of clothes. That they yeah, they burned it. They burned them. They burned it because they didn't want to discount it because they have to make more clothes for the new season. So all of this stuff, they don't have a place to put it. They can't bury it in the desert like Atari buried those ET video game cartridges. They have to do something with it. Nice so they, I'm old. So they set it all on fire. That's insane. That is not the kind of loss you can take if you are J. Crew, right? So the companies that are going to survive are the ones that can sell you clothes at any time of the year, uh, either through their own e-commerce portal or through something like the Mr. Porter app. This is not an ad, but Mr. Porter is like an app that collates a bunch of different fashion brands for men and they sell accessories and home goods and stuff. And so you can sell through to the luxury uh, clothing customer without having to have necessarily your own marketplace that's expensive to operate, your so own shipping that's expensive to operate. So what do people wear? Like you talked about comfortable clothes, but what are like literally what are people going to be wearing? I mean, I, I I dress up for myself. I dress up because I don't want to feel like a turd. Um, but there are a lot of people who do wear sweatpants all the time and wear pajamas all the time. That's fine. When I go to the grocery store, I'm going to dress up a little bit because I want to feel like 
I still have some connection to the real world, to the way things were before. Um, but I think people are going to, you know, wear comfortable clothes. I remember in the mid 2000s when I was in college, a long time ago, everything was skinny. Like skinny jeans were a thing. Oh, God, that yeah. was what you were a hipster. Is I wearing skinny jeans? That's gone. That's not coming back. It was already going out before, but now it's definitely not coming back. Um, elastic waistbands and everything are just going to be like expected. Looser well, silhouettes. I, I I'm kind of leaning into that. Lakers Unfiltered says, it's weird, but dressing up to go grocery shopping is my thing now. That's right, Lakers Unfiltered. This is Los Angeles, okay? We don't live <laughs> in particular Des Moines. We need to look good when we go outside. LA, take pride in yourself. I know it's dangerous to go outside right now. Meme Maurice last says, I was rocking the jorts. J-H-O-R-T-S. That's not how I spell jorts, but that's fine. In 2000. Jorts is not my thing. But, like, you know, dress up. Dress up. It's fine to dress up. It's good to dress up if it makes you feel better. If you're more comfortable in sweatpants, that's fine. I think the, the lesson everyone should learn, dress for yourself. Don't dress for trends. Don't dress for what people tell you to wear. Be yourself and be comfortable. And that's fashion. It's just it's, it's interesting that it – I mean, maybe it's just because of the worlds we live in. But, you know, we – you hear a lot about – the the you know the big retailers going under and J Crew and all that. I, mean, I got a couple things in my house now. I mean, it's hard to shop right now. It's because like, where am I going? So it's like I, I don't know what I'm gonna you know all that stuff. I don't need it. I don't need to spend the money and whatever. But you know the restaurant. We talk about restaurants. We talk about sports. We talk about work. We talk about this. But like how people dress, the way they dress, the way they go to work, like all these things. Like it may people may never wear ties again. Like. Entire, are already like, going out. entire just, sections of our, of like yeah. the wardrobe are going to disappear. T ties were our ties are not like a sacrosanct part of the male uniform anyway. That's a thing that just kind of came into fashion, I guess, in the 19th century or something. I don't know, but like ties don't have to be around. Nothing has to be around. That's the thing I think people are trying to figure out is all the things that we took for granted are like this will always be here are not always going to be here because they're not necessary. Ties are not necessary. No, Going to an office is not necessary. Um, nothing is necessary except that you have to eat and you have to sleep and you have to go to the bathroom. Is, Everything is else there, is created. What would be the closest you think to something in fashion that would qualify as necessary? I mean, like, I don't mean like literally just wearing clothes because that's the law. <laughs> like you're going to get arrested otherwise. But like, if you had to pick something that qualifies as necessity or the closest have, thing to it. You have to wear something. George is back. You have to wear something on your feet. Because if you do a lot of walking around outside, it's gonna hurt. You're gonna you're gonna step on a rock or a piece okay. of glass, or you're gonna your feet are gonna burn because the beyond functionality. Is there, beyond functionality, do you think there's anything that has become ingrained enough that people would think of it as if necessary? I like, if I don't jeans. wear blank to this, I'm going to look like, ridiculous. I feel like jeans have reached a place, particularly somewhere like California or some maybe along the coasts, where you can get away with sort of you know business casual, broadly speaking. I think jeans have maybe reached a place of necessity. I, I could be jeans. wrong. Wear them. 
I don't like how they look. No, I don't like how they look. I'd rather wear any other pants. <laughs> I just uh, don't like jeans. They're coarse and annoying, and they, they're they too casual for me. I feel like hmm. the, that it, you should wear jeans if you are going prospecting for gold. <laughs> <laughs> if you're not prospecting or hey, if you're not you digging. Don't know Andy you that well. That's how he spends most of his off time is, is prospecting. I, Brian, I go pan. I think something cool right now, but Brian's go gone. Pan, 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 pan. Oh, there you go. I don't. I don't like jeans. I don't like how they, they look. You can wear jeans if you want. There are people who look good in jeans. I don't like them. Um, there's nothing you have to wear. I, I think that you still have to wear a suit to a funeral because you want to show respect to the person who died. But at some point, even that's going to go away. Uh, there's not there's nothing in our world right now that will last forever. You made a jo- you made the joke about shoes. I love shoes. Uh, you know, there's I have three kids. There's a limit as to how much I'll spend on them. But if I were rich, I would have all the shoes. Mm-hmm. Um, I like I started like kind of getting into watches like over the last year and a half. Like stuff. So, do you think you re- we reach a point where the clothes like the casualness? kind of goes down but the attention to detail and casual clothes like comes up so people know like oh that guy's dressed really well but it's just not formal in air quotes like it used to be like is that what the evolution becomes well accessories bangles (laughs) bangles i think people will be dressing where do i need when the pandemic ends um sweatpants is a good thing to talk about for this topic because you think of sweatpants as just trash that you put on your body. It's, it's the, it's the sartorial equivalent of going to hometown buffet. It's like, I just don't care. I don't <laughs> care what it is. I just have to eat right now. So I'm going to eat this. Under the late um, night happy hour brought to you by hometown buffet. <laughs> yeah. I, you guys wish. I'll take it. Um, exactly. Uh, sweatpants are not something that is just interchangeable, okay? You, there are better forms of jersey. There's better materials. There's better construction for even sweatpants. You can get sweatpants that taper a certain way to make your figure more attractive. Like, there's tons of different Go kinds on. of sweatpants. There's expensive sweatpants that will frame your genitals to make them look bigger. Uh, Dave, do you have a specific brand you would recommend for so, genital framing when you have juicy on your ass dave what color does it tend to be <laughs> purple and gold baby because i love those lakers let's go showtime buy nice sweatpants if you're gonna if you're gonna buy stuff buy nice things do not buy things that are poorly made stop shopping at zara <laughs> golden corral come on we aren't savages i do love a golden corral those that okra the fried okra at golden corral is no joke um Buy less stuff. Don't shop at Zara. Don't oh, shop at H&M. Wait, wait, Don't wait. shop at Topshop. Buy nice things that last and develop a sense of style that is more uh, like thought out than just, well, I, I guess everybody's wearing this color right now. Like, Don't do that. It's wasteful. It's bad for the environment. I'm sorry. To try to buy nice things that last. Your wardrobe will be instantly better. You will look better. A lot of cheaply made things don't fit well on people. I know. I've seen tons of sports writers. They all dress like crap. <laughs> yeah. 
you're listening to this person, I know who you are. I mean, there, there are a few who you know are typically quite dapper. Yes, but, yes, there know, are some out there. Brad Turner from the LA Times, for example, impeccable dresser. He, sure. He's fantastic. Jay Adonde, yeah, excellent. Tanya Tanya Ganguly has yes. very good. She has very good style. But there are a lot of people who don't, sadly. Yes. And I think that that's a shame because they're not dressing for anything other than necessity. And the dressing isn't is important, but dress with dress for yourself and for other people. I think I, this was actually really important that you gave that kind of list because one of the last questions we had uh, from Twitter was from Jordan Rodriguez, our friend who covers the does such a great job covering the Rams. Is, how did she dress? I'm just kidding. She, well, she <laughs> was. Joking. We had her on Friday, and she was yeah. so excited that you were coming on, and because she <laughs> she was concerned about. She needs. She says she needs to learn how to dress better. And so, uh, tell her like, to DM me and I'll give her some tips. You, but I mean, that we have now a list of things, and I and I type them up. It says buy nice things, buy less stuff, buy things that last, buy things that fit. Is that a things pretty? Things that are flattering to your figure. There are people who wear jeans that don't fit. There are people who wear shirts that are too small or too big. Like it, it doesn't matter where you got it if it doesn't fit. You could have the most expensive thing in the whole world, and if it fits you poorly. Then you might as well be wearing a burlap sack. I hope that helped her, because I think she was a little. I think she was a little intimidated. She's big, as she told us. "Quote: I'm a big Dave Schilling fan." She is. (laughs) (laughs) And specifically, it was was specifically because Jordan Rodriguez thought you could help her along these lines. Like she, she, like a lot of people across the internet, Dave, know of your fashion sense and frankly look up to you because of it. Consider you a role model. It's a burden. It's a burden. Uh, it it is. It is. People send me free clothes. I get some free <laughs> clothes. That's how great my life is. Pandemic. It's amazing. <laughs> Um, I don't think we have time to, to do the wrestling stuff, so we'll have to come back to that next time. Oh, but no. Joggers, guys. Joggers. Lakers unfiltered. Let me um, say one thing about joggers before we go. On joggers. joggers are kind of over now. I, that said, you can wear those in a casual situation. I wouldn't I wouldn't say that a jogger is going to be a thing that you're going to wear and you're going to feel like cool and fashionable, but you can look good in a pair of joggers. It's just like that novelty has worn off, I think a little bit. Okay. Anyway, uh, Andy, anything else? No. No, this was very has been very generous with his time and we would like to be able to have him back at some point. Um we'll see about that. <laughs> He's got would, I said we would like to. Uh, right? Well, your car's right. You don't know. I could maybe. We'll see. I wouldn't. I wouldn't commit to it if I were you either. <laughs> I think you're handling. This I, I would up for a better offer, frankly. I, I just. I would leave the door open, but I would not so want. Giannis to. is dealing with the Bucks right now. Like, That's right. I, mean, I, I would make sure that you get Brian and I to commit to going over the luxury tax for the show. <laughs> what are we, we going to do with our cap space? I think that's an important question. There's no cap space for this show. All right, what do you got to plug for the people? Uh, okay, so I would love if you haven't yet read my New Yorker um, humor essay about um, Austin Powers. Oh, shit, I didn't even realize that. Was I, wrote, I wrote a thing for the New Yorker, yes. Okay. You can Google New Yorker Dave Schilling. It'll come up. That's really impressive. Uh, yeah, I know. I'm a very impressive person, which is <laughs> weird that I'm doing this show. Yeah, uh, I know. Slumming. I know. I should be, I should be doing like... Uh, it's it, it's the equivalent of when high-powered attorneys do pro bono work. I get it. <laughs> I should be doing like uh, The Herd or something. 
That's a classy show. Classy show. Classy show like The Herd. Um, they, they, could, they could put you on the other side of that huge studio behind the glass the, the way they do with all the guests. No, I'm going to come down from the ceiling <laughs> like a Mission Impossible and be like, ah! Ah! Like Travis program. I'm not saying all that stuff about Cam Newton. That studio is massive. It's too big for <laughs> like, really a massive. show about sports where one man talks to you. <laughs> it's like, I mean, it, it's, like it's as big as the TNT studio is now when they have the four guys split apart, but it was like that before COVID and there are only two people in it. It's now they're just all competing to have the biggest studio. Anyway, please read that New Yorker thing. I think we'll it's very it funny. Sure. Um, tweet that out. Yeah, it's, uh, I won't tell you what it's about. It's about Austin Powers, uh, <laughs> but that's about, I'll, I'll tell you. And uh, listen to my podcast, Full Court Chat. Oh, Season yeah, two just ended. That. It is a comedy podcast about sports. So the people listening to this right now probably would like to hear something funny after all of this. Um, that'd be nice. It's just it's a joke. I, this is another. Come on, we had a good time. Everybody was very funny on this. So Laker unfiltered. Thank you. Thanks, These guys. Awesome. It was awesome, wasn't it? It's even more awesome if you listen to this show every week and you listen to my podcast, Full Court Chat with Dave Schilling, as you should, and leave a review and all that stuff. So oh, wow. thanks for that. I'm yes. looking right now in the headline. You're, you're referencing off the bat Peter Bogdanovich. Yeah. I, I hadn't thought about that potential influence, but if you, you start thinking about what Mike Myers looked like in the movie, like sort of get it. No, I, just read it. You don't know what this is going to be until you read it. Okay? Wow. But I've already got your click, so I don't care. <laughs> hopefully none of you out there. Hopefully none of you out there have run out of um, your free articles. All right, I'm gonna. I am gonna tweet this out right now at Cam Brothers. Uh, read this piece on Austin Powers. I'm sure it's fantastic. It's very funny. It's it's my it's my New Yorker debut. So all right. Uh, well, that God, that's impressive. Like I yeah, I know. Never, I've never written anything like that. Never will. Nobody's gonna yeah. put me in a cool place. Probably like not. Probably not. <laughs> I've seen your work. Not going to happen. Um, tomorrow night, Keith Knight, creator of Woke on Hulu. Uh, That's Knight cool. going to be a lot of fun. Uh, he's really when, successful. Yes. Well, he's staying up until one in the morning his time to promote this show. So, I mean, like, that's what he is. Wednesday night, Jeff Perlman's got a new book coming out about the uh, the the uh, 3D Lakers. That's going to be – so that's going to be a lot of fun. And um, Thursday, Tanya Ganguly will get ready for – the aforementioned smartly dressed Tanya Ganguly. Yes. Uh, yeah, uh, tell Tanya I said hello. I haven't talked to her in a while. She's, she's in the bubble, right? Oh, no, she just, uh, no, she just got back. Oh, she's out. Okay, that's good. Uh, well, yeah, give her my best. I, I don't want to have to text her. Just You guys tell her. We will. We will. Actually, the purpose of this show is for us to deliver messages <laughs> to other people. If you could maintain my friendships, please. I don't have time. Jordan Rodriguez had a message for you, which we delivered. Now you have a message. Yeah, 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 See what else? And we just book people based on who the last person had something to say to. Jordan, uh, Jordan uh, you're great. Thank you for your coverage to the Rams on The Athletic. If I could afford a subscription... I would. It's I for just, a dollar, Dave. It's, they're, they're giving away for a dollar a month I, right now or something. I, I mean, a whole American. You really should have had them. If you guys have given out free ones, I'm just kidding. She's wonderful. She's doing great. The athletic is awesome. Um, yeah. All right. Good job. We've taken up, we've taken up enough of your time. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> <laughs> Let's do everybody tomorrow. Thanks a lot. Yeah.